Great song, great uh, singing there. Be able to sing that high at 8 o'clock in the morning. Whew, well, that's the grace of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. I want to share a message entitled, The Lord Made It to Prosper. And Genesis chapter 39. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapters, 23 verses. And uh, be able to maintain the contextual uh, understanding of what's being said and what's being done. It was being experienced in the life of Joseph. And so Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, uh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joshua found grace in the sight and, and served him, and he made him overseer of his, uh, over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house uh, and, and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught. He had saved the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that uh, his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about the time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, that, and there was none uh, of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when he saw, I'm sorry, it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in and unto me to lie with him, and uh, to lie with me. And he said, I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass that when he heard, we heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, uh, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid upon his garment by her. And until the Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to the word, saying, The Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us, 
came unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning to read through this passage. Help us to gain some uh, thoughts here that will strengthen us, encourage us today to know that it's you who makes all things to prosper. And God, we're thankful that we can be blessed uh, in, the, in good times and we can be blessed in times of great trials and difficulties. And uh, God, through it all, you get the glory for everything. And so we're thankful for this passage and other passages we'll look at that highlight the, the life of Joseph and the reality that God had never abandoned him and that God was always with him and God blessed him whatsoever he did. And so bless the preaching of the word of God this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our text verse is actually verse 3 and verse 23. Verse 3 says, His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. And then verse 23 says, The keeper of the prison looked not on uh, to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So the Lord made it to prosper. We certainly are familiar uh, with the life of Joseph. And uh, uh, as we think of the life of Joseph, uh, certainly he went through many different times of suffering and difficulties uh, in his life. And certainly chapter 39 records uh, just a portion of what he suffered as a, uh, the son of Jacob and as uh, he would have to deal with the, the prison keeper, he'd have to deal with Potiphar, he would have to deal with Pharaoh, he would have to deal with his own family. Uh, certainly he had trials and difficulties that he went through, but the thing that marks the life of Joseph is that through all those trials and difficulties that God was with him and whatever he put his hand to do, God prospered it and blessed Joseph in spite of all those great times of sufferings. It, and so, so much so that when you come to the end of the book of Genesis and uh, Joseph sums up the reality of everything that had gone on in his life in reference to relating to his brothers, in Genesis 5 and 20, he says, But as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it with, for good, to bring to pass all that it is to this day to save much people alive. And so the conclusion that Joseph comes towards the end of his life is that everything that had befallen him was by the hand of God, and God meant everything for good. 
Now, we believe, we say we believe, that as a Christian, all things work together for good to them that are, uh, love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, we state that verbally, but I wonder if we actually live it out physically and spiritually. You know, they say statistically that um, uh, right now dealing with COVID-19 that 35% of Christians are not connecting with church as far as going to church or watching any church services online, 35%. Because of that, they are predicting that uh, the effects on the church is by the time all of this is over, 20% of churches in America will close down. Now, that's, that's a sad, sad state of affairs. Uh, Jesus said, I, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against that. I believe that God is still on the throne. I believe God blesses, but I also know this, that God uses believers just as he used Joseph in all these different type of situations to bring him glory and to bless us in spite of whatever trials that we may be going on. We have to deal with COVID-19. That's the world that we live in. Uh, but we don't have to be consumed with fear. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be overwhelmed by it. We can believe that God is greater than these things. So what I want to do is I want to look at just highlight a few thoughts about Joseph's life of the kind of conflicts he dealt with because he said God meant them for good. And you may be going through some conflicts similar to Joseph's life, uh, but realize this, whatever it is you're going through, God wants to use it for good in your life. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to bless you in spite of what it is that we're dealing with. We're dealing with an election coming up. I was thinking the other day, I was watching some of the different clips and the statements these politicians are making about each other. It's just vulgar. To me, it's just vulgar. Uh, we have gotten out of control. You can't, you can't watch a news clip for uh, uh, you know, protests or these riots that are going on because of the vulgar language. I, I went to watch a news clip the other day, and it, right away, all this cussing on, I said, I ain't watching that thing. I'm not going to listen to that. And, and it, 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 we're living in a vulgar world. We're living in a world that is so corrupt that it is literally ripping itself apart at the fabric of it. And so how are we going to respond? How are we going to deal with it? What, what is going to be our focus in, in going through this time in history? These are our days. Uh, these are other people's days. We can look at what people did in the past and how they handled things and what they went through, but these are our days. So how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to let God uh, move in our life that make things prosper for his glory. And so here's some things that Joseph had to deal with. He had to deal with hatred, with hatred. Back in Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to be right in Genesis. So Genesis chapter 37 and verse 4 says, that when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably with him, unto him. And so Joseph would have to deal with hatred. The hatred that he would have to deal with was in reference to sibling rivalry. And they saw that their father loved him more than he expressed the love for his other children. And because of that, they hated him. And it says, it doesn't just say they hated him. It continues and says, 
they could not speak peaceably unto him. I mean, they hated him so much, there was not a kind word that they could say to him. They hated him so much that uh, they, there was no uh, um, uh, desire in their heart to try to have a proper relationship with their brother. I mean, they just hated him because of the, his father demonstrating that he loves him more than he did they. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, how we desperately need parents to be parents. And uh, we're, you know, years ago, I preached a message on child-centered home. I did a whole series on child-centered home, warning, warning, warning about the outcome of developing a child-centered home. I don't think one soul listened to me. I really don't. And uh, because now we've developed a society where it is just completely run by the kids, run by children. And there's just anger. There's resentment. Uh, I, I just have never seen such a level of hatred and anger in young children and uh, over the last several years. And I believe that's being birthed out of a perception or even a reality of just feeling that they're hated. And so because they feel hated, they want to hate everything else. And uh, there, there is no justification for anger that is out of control. And I, I was talking to someone oh, a few years ago about some things going on, and they were saying about rioting and things like that. You have to understand their rage. No, they need to understand they're out of control. They need to understand that there is victory through faith in Christ, and God has not called us to be angry, resentful, and violent towards one another. This sibling rivalry and it, it, listen, it developed to a point as we're going to see, not just being jealous and resentful to their brother. They couldn't say one kind word to him that developed to a point where they literally are going to, they plot, were plotting to kill him. And so that's where it goes when there's dis, dysfunctional relationships in a home. It gets out of control where it becomes very aggressive and certainly Joseph had to deal with that. You know, Jesus Christ had to deal with hatred. The crowds hated him. The Pharisees hated him. Uh, those that were the, the Caesars hated him. Uh, he, was, he had to deal with the anger and the hatred that was in this world because he is the son of God and he came presenting himself as the son of God. So Joseph had to deal with sibling rivalry. You say, well, why are you doing I thought you were going to talk about God prospering him. Yes, that's how God prospered him in the midst of that spirit. God can still bless and God can still prosper in the midst of hatred. Also, not only was there sibling rivalry that caused and, and, and kind of fed this hatred, but there was spiritual insight. In uh, Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 37, in verse 8, says, And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? And shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And God had given Joseph a dream uh, that his brethren, his family would bow down to him. And I mean, they were, listen, all that was was like throwing logs on the fire. Uh, when we have a fireplace burning in our house, I like to put just one and a half logs on. That's enough, you know. 
the more logs you burn, the more you got to go get wood. Amen. And uh, my wife, when she puts it on, Bill and Debbie can see the flames coming out of the chimney. <laughs> and uh, listen, when Joseph came to his brothers and said, I've dreamed a dream and you're all going to bow down to me. Oh, my goodness. That was just throwing more logs on the fire. And uh, they, they hated him yet the more because of his spiritual insight. And realize this, as believers in Christ, when we go to live our life out, we get saved. Our family doesn't always acknowledge that. People, your neighbors might, don't always understand it. People that you work with cannot comprehend what God has done. And realize that, wait a minute. When you start sharing insight into the scriptures and what God is revealing to you, it adds fuel to the fire of the hatred. But that does not mean God can't bless you in the midst of that. And uh, 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, we, can, we cannot expect a world that has been spiraling downhill moving farther and farther away from God to all of a sudden just stop and say, that's okay, you as Christians, you can have your free reign. You can do whatever you want. You can live your life as you please. No, there is going to be struggles and there is going to be persecutions, but that doesn't mean that God can't bless in the midst of them. So he had hatred towards him because of sibling rivalry. He had hatred towards him because of spiritual insight. And he had hatred towards him that led to being sold into bondage. Chapter 37 of Genesis in verse 28 says, Then there, there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Israelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph unto Egypt. Say, so How in the world did Joseph ever end up in Egypt? Because his brothers sold him as a slave. They sold him in bondage. And uh, because they hated him so much, they did not want to hear anything else from him. And they wanted to get rid of him. They were plotting to kill him, but at least they did acknowledge, well, he's our brother. And they hide him in the pit and they draw him out of the pit and sell him uh, into the Midianite caravan on its way to Egypt. John chapter 4 and verse 44, Jesus said uh, himself to, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. And Joseph is suffering this hatred because his brothers do not honor him because of twofold, because of sibling rivalry that was birthed out of a father who was showing favoritism and out of spiritual insight that showed that one day they were going to bow down before him. And because of that, they hated him so much that they sold him into bondage. And how people, when out of their hatred, will want to put somebody into bondage. I remember reading a testimony of a young girl, a teenage girl years ago, got saved and wanted to go to church every Sunday. Her dad told her she couldn't go to church and told her that if you go to church, when you come home, I'm going to beat you. And that girl went to church every Sunday knowing when she got home, she got a beating from her father. And you say, where in the world does that come? Hatred. You got to deal with hatred. Uh, we're supposed to love one another. 
We're supposed to love our enemies. I don't know where we've got this justification in our society that it's okay to hate people. That's not the way I was raised. My dad always told me, if you don't have anything good to say about somebody, don't say anything at all. And it'd be nice if we went back to that type of spirit and character again. But hatred. You say, can God move in the midst of this? Oh, yeah, because God moves in the life of Joseph. So he had to deal with hatred. Not only was he hated, but he was accused. Notice in chapter 39, in verse 7, that Joseph is accused. In uh, chapter 39, in verse 7, tells us, And it came to pass, after these things, that his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph and said unto him, Lie with me. So here's Joseph has come from a blessing of a home uh, of Jacob. He's hated of his brethren. He's sold into bondage. Uh, God is still with him. God never abandoned him. And now he's in Egypt. He's in Potiphar's house. But notice there is a common temptation that comes. As he is there, the wife of, of uh, Potiphar sees Joseph and she desires, desires to commit adultery with him. A common temptation. There is no temptation but that which is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, provide a means of escape. And Joseph knew this, that God was with him and God would bless him. And he knew that the desire that she was casting towards him was not right with God and it dishonored his master. Now God's blessing Joseph. He's blessing the house of Potiphar because of the fact of who Joseph is. But realize this, in the midst of God's blessings, there came a common temptation. Realize that this morning. That no matter how much God is blessing you, your flesh is sold under sin. And your flesh desires things that are not appropriate. And your flesh can get out of control. And so your flesh, the devil, also comes along and accuses the brethren. And the accusations are strong, but Joseph is stronger than the temptation. He refused to lie with her because he knew it would dishonor his God. That's what it says in verse 9 says, there is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Now, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, when the accused comes to take control of your life, acknowledge the fact that it is God who prospers you, and you cannot do these sinful, wicked things because it dishonors your God. So there's a common temptation. Notice there's a continual temptation. In verse 10, it said, It came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. She didn't just stop. You know, hey, leave me alone. I won't dishonor my, my uh, master's house. I don't want to discredit my God. It's a sin against my God. And then, oh, well, that's all I have to do, and there won't be any more temptations. No, it didn't stop. She came to him day after day after day after day and uh, is a continual oh, uh, temptation. In verse 12, it says, And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left the garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And so continual temptation means you just got to run and get away from it. Get out of the house, amen. Get away from the, the opportunity. Uh, don't allow it to take control of you. 
Why? Because God is blessing Joseph's life, and Joseph understands that with this temptation, God is still with me to bless me. And so he's the one that gives me the, the, the means of escape. He is the one that gives me the strength to overcome. He is the one that is directing my life. And so this continual temptation has to be dealt with a continual surrender to God and God alone. And so notice not a, com a common temptation, a continual temptation, but he's compromised in temptation in verse 19. And it came to pass... When his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And uh, compromised in the temptation. Why? Because there's a false accusation. See, the best thing that you can do is to uh, stay away from the temptations because you might be able to overcome the temptation, whatever it may be. But the person that is trying to tempt you may not let it go. And they may make a false accusation. So the best thing is to do is not get in that situation to begin with. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ committed no sin zero sins, but he still was accused. Jesus Christ did nothing to discredit himself, his family, or his Father in heaven, but he still was accused. And so realize that in the midst of your life, as you're living your life, there may be hatred towards you that you may have to deal with, but God can still bless in the midst of that. There is accusations that may come. But Joseph kept doing what was right, irregardless of what the accusations were. It's easy when we think everything's falling apart to say, well, I'm going to just change my testimony. No, no, you keep living for Christ and let God give you the victory. So the Lord made it to prosper when he was hated, when he was accused. Uh, he, in chapter 39 and verse 22, notice he was forgotten. You say, well, nobody knows about me. Nobody cares about what I'm going through. Well, Joseph knew what it was to be forgotten. Because in Genesis chapter 39, in verse 22, it says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Uh, he was forgotten when he had provided sound leadership. You know, Joseph's been falsely accused, he's been hated, he's been accused, and now he's in prison, but God's still blessing him. And now he is in charge, he's providing sound leadership for the other prisoners. And the keeper of the prison sees God's blessing on Joseph and gives him that position of authority. And so there is a sound leadership. In chapter 40 and verse 13, notice there's sincere leading. That goes on in verse 13. It says, And yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and they, I'm sorry, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner uh, when thou wast his butler. And then in verse 19 it says, And yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shalt hang thee on a tree. 
and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off, uh, from off thee. And so here is sincere leadership. He is in prison. He has a position of ranking. And in that position, these two men come that are thrown in the prison and have dreams. And Joseph interprets the dreams sincerely. One, you're going to live. The other, you're going to die. And so I'm, I'm just always awestruck with the fact that Joseph was willing to be completely honest with these men. Uh, you would think you might try to hedge it to try to get out. But no, he was completely honest with the message that God had. So there's sincere leading. And then in verse 23, there's solemn leading. Because verse 23 says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and, they, and not faint. The amazing thing is this, that Joseph continues faithfulness to his God even though he was forgotten. Because the next verse, chapter 41 and verse 1, says it came to pass at the end of two years. I mean, two years have gone by. The interesting thing is, is Joseph was, I believe it was 16 or 17 years old when he was sold into slavery, sold into the Midianite caravan, it's not, he doesn't take a position of leadership in Egypt underneath the fire until he's 30 years old. We're, we're talking about 12, 13 years span that Joseph has been hated. Uh, he has been accused. He has been faithful to his God, even in prison, and does a favor to help people understand the dream that God gives to them. And they, when they are have the opportunity to let Pharaoh know what he had done. They forgot all about him. You say, nobody cares about me. Well, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. You say, people just forget what I've tried to do for in my life and try to do for them or what I've tried to do for God. Hey, Joseph's experience was God's blessing him when everybody else forgot him. And when you think nobody cares about you and you think nobody knows about you, realize this, God knows who you are and he knows where you are and he knows what your need is. And so he was forgotten, but God blessed him. God put his hand, a blessing that whatever he did, he came to prosper. Well, he's hated, he's accused, he's forgotten, but the last thought is this, he's exalted. And uh, God's timing Chapter 41 and verse 1, it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. God's timing is always right. It's always just. It's always on time. God is never late, and he's never early. He's always exactly on time. And all that Joseph was experiencing in his life up to this point uh, was literally in the hands of God's own timing uh, you think about the coming of Christ in, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. It was exactly in the timing of God when Jesus Christ came into this world to be the savior of this world. And so God's timing is always good. God's timing in your life is good. 
You say, I'm going through a trial right now. God knew about it. He has a time for you to deal with it. This COVID-19, we don't know how. I was listening to a preacher this morning, and he was saying, we have no idea how long this is going on. You're exactly right. Nobody knows how long this is going to go on. But I know one person that does, and it's my Father in heaven. And so I, I need to live my life that whatever it is that's going on in the world that I live in, that God knows what's going on, and he has his time frame for bringing his blessings in my life. So I see God's timing. I see in chapter 41 of Genesis in verse 13, God's revealing. It says that it came to pass in verse 13, as he interpreted to, uh, to us, so it was me he restored unto my office, and him he hanged. Pharaoh's had dreams, and now, now, the fellow in the prison is now remembering. Oh, oh, that's right. There was a fellow in prison interpreted my dream. And in verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and shaved himself. It's interesting to me that, you know, people say it doesn't matter how you dress or how you look or whatever. Uh, he's getting ready to go in the front of Pharaoh. Look how he cleans himself up. Amen. Said so they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is, it is, I'm sorry, it is not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I, hey, when the opportunity comes and God is revealing something, let's give God the glory even when we're talking to the heathen. And uh, he was willing to acknowledge it's not me that does it, but it is God who's going to reveal it to you. So there's God's revealing. Notice there's God's responding. Chapter 41 and verse 32 says, and for the dream that was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. The response of God is that he always responds in his own timing and is according to his own will, but he does respond. And, and Mo, I'm sorry, Moses, Joseph needs to acknowledge the fact that it is God who is going to bring the miracle in the life of Egypt as Joseph will reveal what this dream is. We see God responding. In verse 40, we see God's exalting. In verse 40, it says, And thou shalt be over my house, and according to unto thy word shall all people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you, and be greater than thou. And so here is God's exalting in Joseph's life. It has been about 16 or 17 years, time frame, where Joseph was dealing with the hatred of his brothers, where Joseph was sold into the Midianite caravan, where Joseph is accused falsely in the house of Potiphar, where he rises to a level of leadership in prison and is forgotten, but now some 15, 17 years later, now God is on the scene and Joseph has the rank right underneath the Pharaoh. 
Now, I want you to know that something this morning. It doesn't matter how many problems, how many difficult things we have to go through in life, that God has a plan and a purpose in each one of our lives, and God will do the exalting when he's ready to do the exalting. And then we see God's prospering. Chapter 41 and verse 51 says, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God, said he, have made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God's prospering is this. Listen, the hurts of the past, God can remove from your memory. The difficult things of your past, God can remove from the heart that is broken. Uh, when God comes on the scene and God begins to work in the midst of all the trials and all the difficulties that we have, it is God not only that gives us power to overcome them, but it is God who brings healing in the heart and the soul and gives us a new life to live for his glory. And the reality is, as Joseph is exalted in the midst, as he says here, fruitful in the land of my affliction. In the very place where he's experienced affliction, God is prospering him so much so that he literally will be able to provide for the world. Now listen, God can make a difference in this world if believers will just live our life knowing and acknowledging that it is the Lord that makes us to prosper. It's not us. It's not, oh, uh, I was thinking this morning, Man, it must have been exciting back in the early late 70s and early 80s and all the revivals were going on and, and the Lord just hit me right between the eyes. You're not back there in the 70s and 80s. You're in 2020. And I do what I do, desire to do, what I feel like doing it. And I'll tell you right now, it is the Lord that makes us to prosper. Uh, it is not the times that we live in. It's not the people that are in leadership. It's not the government that uh, decides whether it will or will not let us function as a church. It is God who steps in in the midst of our afflictions and makes us to prosper. And I really believe that God has some great things that he wants to do. And uh, I was talking to someone, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and they were telling me, about some trials they were going through, some difficulties they were going through. And I told them this. I said, listen, every trial that I've ever faced, I, I've come to the conclusion that in that trial, there's something God wants me to learn. Amen. And so I've come to the conclusion I need to say, Lord, make me a fast learner <laughs> so I can get through the trial real fast. Just tell me what it is I need to learn. Now, I'll guarantee you one of the things that Joseph did and he experienced over that 17-year span is that he learned some things about his God that he would not have learned if he didn't go through it. And there's some things that God wants us to learn. So let's learn them quick, okay, so we can get through these things and be able to experience the move of God. And uh, so the Lord made it the prosper. I know it's kind of a choppy message. The Lord laid this on my heart the other day, and I, I just, I, I have to remind myself. I have to remind myself. It is the Lord that makes it to prosper. Amen. And he'll make you prosper in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. 
Uh, thank you for the grace that we can see demonstrated in the life of Joseph. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what he faced, whatever he had to go through, it is very evident, Lord, that you were with him and you blessed him. And we praise you for that. And we ask for your, us to be able to have eyes that can see the blessings of God flowing in the midst of all the tragedies and difficulties that we have to deal with. I'm thankful, Lord, that you're greater than the trial. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can still uh, be prosperous. We can still be victorious because we're on the winning side. And so I pray for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen.